weird. So did you get a smoothie? Uh, well, I didn't get a smoothie, but I got a, a coffee, which is equally as delightful. Good. Oh, I did get a little smoothie. Look at that. Isn't that something? Oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah, you're so sweet. So what's happening? You having a good uh, day away from the uh, animal sanctuary? Yeah, it's um, it's been good. We had a really fun... Um, we did a lot of fun enrichment for them for Halloween. Like we made zombie fingers out of their monkey biscuits and we froze, (laughs) we um, froze some watered down mango juice into gloves. So they had like hands coming out of the ground that actually didn't work quite as well, to be honest with you, because it's hard to get hand shaped ice out of a glove. Did you know? I did not know that, yeah. but that makes sense, but, actually. But now you know. Um, I had my first Trailhouse show last night. Oh, right. How did that go? It went It went really well. There were some like last-minute organizational changes. Uh, one of my comedians was running like quite a bit late because she was coming from really far away. So I was just so nervous about being able to stall if I needed to that I sucked at trying to stall and so it became a whole thing <laughs> like it was I would just go up to the mic and be like all right you just, you just gotta enter like you just gotta do three minutes like not even nothing crazy I'll tell you if I do three minutes in between each comic it's no problem and I'd go up there and I'd be like so who's ready for your next comic I'd be like, damn it <laughs> But um, but it was good. We so the original plan. I need to send you a photo. But the way the the outdoor space is set up, it's using their parking lot, right? So there's yeah. and, and what we were gonna do is have the the comedians and the DJ set up basically with their backs to the road, and then we we're gonna face the rest of the parking lot. But when we got there. Thank goodness for Joel, my sound and lighting engineer. And I like to think good friend. Um, he's a muffin. <laughs> but <laughs> but he, he got there and I told him that that was the plan. And he was like, oh, no. Like, that, like how am I going to light an open space? Uh-huh. It, you know, he was like, the light needs things to bounce off of. You're going to be battling the cars driving by behind you guys. Like, it's a it's a whole thing. And so yeah. we, we did, like, I kind of had a panic because I was like, well, that's that's where they told me I could go. Like, you know, but then, yeah. you know, I just talked to them and they were, we found a really great solution and everything was fine and nothing wrong. Like, there, it went beautifully, but I just, I, you know. Yeah, it's those I was little in the particular... panic the whole time <laughs> for no reason. I think I... you. I think you need to get used to that. I that's the that's kind of the mo of anyone who's in charge of anything. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was good. It was fun, and I really like the like the people who were there and like working, and the people who manage Trailhouse and stuff. They're really awesome and. You know, they're they're so easy to talk to, but for some reason, I would just be like, "Oh, is it is this all okay?" And they're like, yeah. "Yeah, but like, let us know what you need." And I'm like, "Well, I just I just don't want to be an inconvenience." And like, you're literally the entertain. Like, we've hired you to entertain. Right. To, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, mm. grow some balls, Camille. I know, seriously. Ugh. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, you know, it's, I mean, you're trying to be polite and stuff. I understand that. But really, you got the shit going on. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it went so well. And I had, I ended up having a fourth comedian on, which was um, good, especially yeah. since one of them was one running late. Uh, but and they they were all some of my favorite comedians for anyone who's listening you should look up Mike Whitaker and Manny De La Pena as well as Wendy Lewis and Juan Carlos on all of your social medias they're very funny individuals they're really great and I love them all I I know all of the men that you've mentioned unfortunately Mm -hmm. I don't know Wendy but I have to check her out yeah, she's a she's she's a Sacramento based comedian. She's like a regular at Laughs Unlimited up there. She's she's really funny. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's absurd how how good she is. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Check yeah, I'm I'm excited for the, for the shows to come. You know, it's just going to get better and I'm going to be more organized and more comfortable mm-hmm. and it's going to be great. wonderful so how is the weather like how was the weather and what what it was actually it was really nice it was like since it is uh an earlier show you know six to seven Uh generally it was at the lowest like low 60s that's great yeah by by the end you know um Mm -hmm. yeah so it was it was delightful i (laughs) there have been a couple of times that i've been up at like open the open mic week the weekly open mic up here that's you know set later it starts at like eight and and i like i'll be up there and i just i start shivering and it sounds like i'm nervous but it's re- <laughs> like i'm just i'm just cold it's just a little bit chilly for my little yeah. island princess body so right well you do. you just need to make those jokes about that then i know i oh i had i don't want to blow myself up too much because I, I literally did all in all last night I personally maybe did six minutes of comedy because I was just like not in the right state of mind right <laughs> right it was though, your first yeah. time since the pandemic shut your right shut down. yeah so yeah. I mean you I mean that all makes sense I mean yeah, yeah. It was, you it were was, just it feeling it fine out. Yeah, yeah it was totally fine and I also was trying since we had the fourth comedian and they do technically close at, I think seven or seven thirty, I uh-huh. didn't, I was so stressed out about being able to manage the time so that we would go long enough so that Wendy could get there. Right. But also like not trying not to go too far over that allotted like six to seven general time that we were planning to have this show go on. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, that's again, that's the thing. That's the type of thing. I think you're worried about. You're worried about the wrong things. No, no, you're worried about the right thing. actually. (laughs) But but it'll make itself clearer to you as you get into it. Right. You know, obviously, I think it's good that you're concerned about that. The bottom line is that's your job. You yeah, know, you're just exactly. doing your job. Yeah, so. yeah, but it was fun. It was good. We had a pretty good turnout. I um, 
I figured out how to generate a QR code for free. Do you know what those are? Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to like, I'll send that graphic to you and we can start putting those on the posters that, mm-hmm. cause I think the problem I was having, I had this last time was number one. I did not, um, I didn't even start selling tickets until the Wednesday before the show. Like there was mm-hmm. four days that people could get tickets um, yeah. because, because I just, I didn't think of it, you know, last, my last show pre pandemic, we didn't have, I mean, obviously you had a capacity for the building, like for fire safety, but at the same time, it was never a concern to have mm-hmm. too many people. But mm-hmm. obviously now that we have all these COVID restrictions, uh, Trailhouse needed a way to be like, okay, we need to know how many people are coming and we need to cap it. Like we need to very strictly cap it at a certain amount. So the tickets sure. just made the most sense. Yeah. And, um, well, how was attendance? Was it okay? It was, it was great. It was, um, I, it's so weird. So we, we were at about half capacity uh-huh. uh, with, so, like, with the tickets that we sold. And then we had some stragglers or stragglers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people that didn't really know comedy was happening were there. And they were like, oh, yeah, we would love to stay. Like, okay, great. We mm-hmm. have the space. You know, so we had a little bit over half capacity. I would say there were maybe like 30 30 ish people there something like that so it was yeah yeah, it was really good and i it's only gonna get better like i said once we really advertise that there are tickets that you need to get or you should get beforehand that are free that's, that's something that i still um you know the the amount of time you allot to promote a show and mm-hmm, tickets mm-hmm. something that I'm still learning because there's various, you know, I usually start heavy promotion two weeks before mm-hmm. my gig, but people have said, no, you got to do it two months. And I'm like, really? And no, I'm like, who, that's wild. Who I don't plans? Even... Like, I never know what I'm doing two months. Yeah. From now. Yeah. Do you know I what I'm saying? To say, I haven't even scheduled all of the comics for, for the December show. Yeah. But, yeah, and um, my my other point is like I I feel like if you start promoting it too much, I mean I'm obviously wrong, but my feeling personally is if I was interested in a show, I wouldn't want to spend two months dealing with someone promoting it. Being to like, me. hey, go just, to this. Hey, just, go to this. Yeah, hey, just because this. I said I was interested, yeah. I wouldn't want to have to deal with two months right. worth of promotional material right. about it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. So I just have a personal problem with it but supposedly that's the way it works yeah well i I, so the problem i think i had this time was i i threw up posters you know and was advertising like hey there's comedy you guys should all come and that and i did that like like you said i was doing it you know it was like two weeks in advance roughly Mm. but then the halfway through the week of we made these tickets so i was like oh actually if you're planning on coming if you could please just uh go online and go to the eventbrite page which is http slash colon slash slash like you know what i mean yeah like, I was yeah like, you're uh, gonna yeah. have to go and it, it suddenly became an extra step and i think that made people be like oh well i want to go but i don't want to like google it that's the thing is you got to find that happy medium where people are who are interested Mm -hmm. 
how interested are they and do yeah. they, are they willing apparent i guess i mean maybe you and i are different from other people maybe people love to hear about something you know that's coming up for two months from now maybe that's yeah, a I, thing i, I mean know. maybe if i had the time and willpower to make more ver- make more variety and like interesting promo graphics but like mm-hmm. I'm good with one post I'm not going to post the same poster eight times you know what I mean like that feels a little silly right I you know I I think you could I mean I'm not exactly sure how to go about it but I think both of us could learn how that works like what what works and what doesn't if you're going to promote it right. for a longer period of time what keeps the interest going you know um one of the things when i was doing the album release for whisper and howl mm-hmm. which you opened that for was me. a yeah that was a great turnout yeah I and so what what morgan my publicist had done was mm-hmm. was start she took my artwork from the album and on Instagram started making like puzzle pieces out of it, like only a snippet of the picture would show. So you don't like you might see, you know, on the back cover, I'm kind of screaming or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you see like the side of my lower jaw on one promotion. And as the promotion continues over the course of a month, I think, or six weeks, it was uh, every couple days the the picture starts materializing with different sections of it you know and and honestly it gained interest it was i was gonna say that's an excellent idea yeah so i mean that's that's one thing i think if it really worked pretty well but i think if you really approach a promotion with that in mind because obviously the artwork for the album wasn't i didn't create it with that intent in mind you know what i mean but if you if you do something for your monthly cycle comedy show at Trailhouse that has that in mind and start posting it every couple of days, a new snippet of what's happening, you know, even, even with the comedians that you've got on board, maybe, maybe like a month before you just see I don't know if Wendy's in a dress or if she's in a pantsuit or whatever she's wearing, but you just see a section of her and yeah. everybody's like, who is that comedian? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. eventually she unveils to where it's like, oh, it's Wendy. Would you say her last name is? Lewis. Wendy Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. That's cool. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. I thought it, I thought that was her. You know what I mean? People right. Yeah. will gain this like perspective, yeah. like anticipation and perspective of it. Anticipation. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I can I make a bold stance right now? Sorry, I just had a real big ADD moment when I said anticipate. Rocky Horror Picture Show is not that good of a movie. There, I said it. Oh, I I think we can all we can all just move on. I the first time I saw it in 1979, I think, or 78. Mm -hmm. It was a double. It was a midnight double feature with Woody Allen's Manhattan, which is a great movie, with Mariel Hemingway in it, by the way. Your name. Oh, delightful. 
Um, she's not really your namesake, but you do share that first name with her. Yeah, but that's um, fun. but anyway, um, uh, I the Rocky Horror Picture Show was first, I think. No, Woody Allen's movie was first, and then Rocky Horror Picture Show was last, I think. What whatever it was, like the Woody Allen movie blew me away, and then Rocky Horror Picture Show, I was like, eh, I don't get it. I. Have you ever been to one of those, like, I mean, obviously you went to see it in public, but the first and only time I have seen Rocky Horror Picture Show was when I was living in Florida and we all went to this, like, live event that was watching Rocky Horror and, like, you, everybody dressed up as characters. Yeah, that's that's the way it was for this. Because by the time I was watching it, it had grown into a cult status. Yeah, and they, so first you, like, you got there and there's, like, a host and he was like, okay, like, who has never seen it before? And I could tell off off the bat that I was not about to raise my hand and admit that this was the first time. (laughs) So I, I just kept my mouth shut, which I, I understand I was not, I was already like not in the spirit of things. So maybe that's why I had such a, like, it wasn't a negative experience, but it was just, I went there and I was interested to see the movie and I enjoyed everyone's costumes, but then the, yeah, the host made everyone who was a Rocky Horror Virgin get up there and they had to like stand in the line and pass a pool noodle from one end to the other of all the virgins like mm. between their legs so they were just like making a humping motion the whole, right. you know what i'm like it, and every it took too long number one like it was if there were had been six people maybe that would have been fun and a nice little like warm up like we're all here to enjoy, have a good time but there was like 27 people that, that fucking pool noodle had to get through well, there's, yeah, there's a thing. And, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, so it started off with that, and then the movie starts, and everybody's, like, yelling at the screen, and then the so- songs start, and people are singing along. And, like, I, could, I couldn't even, I wasn't watching. You know what I mean? Because everybody already knew it. I don't know. It was, <coughs> there, was something, there was something about how excited and how diehard everyone else was that made me not like the movie yeah did you do this on halloween night or when did you do that it was yeah it was like the day or two before you know because i think halloween was on a monday so it was on the friday before something like that well i mean i was just reading an article about camp the the Mm -hmm. concept of what is camp yeah and stuff and obviously that's that's what that movie is. That's the attraction. Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. it's campy. It's a it's a camp horror film, sex horror and sex film. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think it's also of that era. That's the late seventies, and I have a you know that was the era that I was a teenager. Yeah. So that you was were popping my, off. That was my prime era. But honestly. I mean, I have a respect for the BGs or whatever, but um, I, I can tell you, like, the comedy, the music, and the movies of that era did not interest me at all. Mm. I was mm-hmm. not, I was not plugged, well, I was plugged in just because all my friends were into that, but I can right. recall feeling 
man, this is just not my thing. I don't, I don't really enjoy this, you know? And that, that's another problem too. I think, I think this is not necessarily a great part of my personality, but I think I have always had this, this feeling of when something gets over the top popular like that to where you're saying you can't enjoy the experience because everybody's, there's just a swath of, everyone just enjoying it so much yeah, yeah. It, it takes away from my experience I'm not saying yeah I'm better than people because I know better than that I'm just saying it does I it's always been yeah there is it's I don't know yeah something about like being around I don't yeah I don't I don't want to come off judgy but that's absolutely what I what I am about <laughs> this like yeah I just there was something about watching a film that people were just so hyped about and I I I don't know there was it just created a disconnect for me to right to enjoy it for some reason right and I, I don't know if that's just my angsty teen energy that I'm not gonna conform to this like this is trash like <laughs> nobody understands what i'm into yeah i I would like to think that it is that but i don't think it is that honestly that would be that would be a simple explanation and believe me i'm with you i've had my angsty teen moments i mean you know not even don't i know it but but even when i was growing up you had angsty teen moments i don't think it's that because i've i've actually thought about this a lot i haven't put it in those exact words Uh but if i if I, I would contemplate, I would go, why don't I enjoy this? Am I being an angsty mm-hmm. teen? Is that my thing now? Am I being like, mm-hmm. you know, do I dress in black and wear black eyeliner and just mope around the house? Oh, God, you, can you? You know, you oh, know what I'm saying? Please. And then I realized, realized, no, that's not where I am with this. It's not me being an angsty teen. It's, it's just not It's just not what you're into. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be into that. Yeah, I don't know. It just... Um, didn't really didn't really what's the word i don't know something about a goat whatever you know (laughs) something about a goat (laughs) something grab my goat what is the there's like a phrase i i've lost it yeah i don't know what you're talking last night i was trying to introduce juan carlos Uh and i said something about he's he's a moon in a sea or he's a sun in a moon of or in a sea of moons i'm already like i already fucked it up and then people like uncomfortably giggled and i was like i don't know what that means either but you'll you'll get it <laughs> <laughs> like i it, i was just in such a weird state where i like i just didn't have for some reason it just i just didn't feel like i had my shit together so i'd get up to the mic and just be like yeah i don't know someone's coming on stage you're gonna like it (laughs) so like get like clap a little all right (laughs) you'll get in your uh pace you'll get your pace now it it was just such a weird thing like what does that mean he's a sun in a sea full of moons i love it like (laughs) it's awesome (laughs) i i mean i guess i don't get it either but it's awesome (laughs) i guess he is (laughs) And Juan Carlos came up and he was like, hey, everybody, like, how are you doing? And it was like kind of lackluster applause. He's like, yeah, I sorry about that introduction, but this is what you get for a free show. OK, like if you wanted comedy, like better comedy, you should pay for it. 
such a dig and I was like <laughs> so good <laughs> what I tell you a sun and a sea of yeah. <laughs> how how much clearer <laughs> see oh my you goodness found it. that's it that's funny yeah I I guess um but I uh would actually, if you're cool, with, I want to transition to the modular synthesizing conversation because I, I watched, I watched, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched like most of each video that oh, you Oh, good. Me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of rep. There's just, you know. Yeah. And I, I definitely have questions and an opinion, but I think for our listeners, we, you should maybe first define and for myself, because after watching Okay, so Dad sent me three separate videos of modu- examples of modular synthesizing, and I'm still not sure that I understand what it is. So, Father, if you would like to take it away. Okay, I'll explain. try to make this quick. I've been kind of fascinated with modular synthesis for a long time, literally since the early 80s. Is it but... just synthesis or synthesizing? S- synthesis. Oh, oops. Yeah, well, but it's synthesizers, too. I mean, they are synthesizers, but it's called modular mm-hmm. synthesis. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll try to make this brief. Voltage. Okay. Voltage, mm-hmm. electronic voltage, be- creates waveforms. And with con- uh, voltage control amplifiers, you can output those waveforms into audio. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at its root, what you need is one oscillator, which is a voltage. uh, It's an oscillating amount of voltage being put out. And then you need an amp, a voltage controlled amp to, to output that as a waveform, as a sonic waveform. Mm-hmm. So it's analog. It's not digital. I mean, there are digital components oh. to some of them, but I'm most okay. interested in analog. You're literally taking a voltage, an electronic voltage, and creating a waveform with it. That's that's okay. the root of it. So what? There's two basically two different schools. the The East Coast school is called subtractive synthesis. That's Bob Moog's, Robert Moog's. Yeah, probably a lot of people mm-hmm, are familiar with mm-hmm. Moog or Moog um, synthesizers, analog synthesis, uh, where you take this control voltage uh, waveform, whether it be a sine, you can create a sine wave, a saw wave, a square wave, so sure, forth. Sure. Okay, which are different. They're literally different frequencies. Like you, you can put them on a in a voltage, uh, like uh, what do you call it? Like a a screen that shows voltage waveforms and see the difference in the waveform. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm making uh-huh. this is really long. I'm sorry. Anyway, subtractive okay. synthesis is taking that waveform and manipulating, taking things away from that waveform to create different different, different noise. Exactly. Kind of different tones. I guess. I, I tones love the better? East Coast sound to an extent. A lot of what you hear a lot of synthesis. In fact, one of my favorite albums growing up was uh, Walter Carlos's Switched on Bach, which was the works of Johann Sebastian Bach, performed on a Moog synthesizer, which at that, most Moog synthesizers, even today, are monophonic synthesizers. I mean, they only, they only 
play one key at a time. You can you uh -huh. can modulate the control voltage so that it there's harmonics so you can hear other tones in there. But basically, you're all right. Am I boring you yet? By the way, no. It's it's just making me giggle. Like how I don't know. It's just making me realize like how many different weird niche subjects a person can be an expert in like no one there like the amount that you already know about this when never in my 29 years of life have I even heard of modular <laughs> synthesis you know what I'm like it's well, baffling because yeah. it's I mean it's the same thing could be said about like I don't like I feel like neither of us know anything about guns, but there are people out here who are like, that can, oh, yeah. you can give them a serial number and they'll tell you what kind of, gun absolutely. What, like, what like year and so what, what the makeup of was the, of the gun and so yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just fascinating to me that. Okay. So, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. So really quickly, <laughs> so the anyway. West coast, the West coast uh -huh. modular synthesis craze, is basically represented by Robert, uh, Bob Mook, uh, Bob, and, is it, am I right? Bob Bukla? No. You, you could literally say anything. Don Bob Bukla. Like, yeah, Why am it. I saying Bob? Because of Bob Moog. Don Bukla. And that's called Bob additive Don synthesis. Bukla. And that's, that's the stuff that really fascinates me. Now, like, to, so what you're doing actually is taking other modules that add to the, raw waveform instead of subtract in order uh -huh. to manipulate it okay so yeah. what it's a very the the enjoyment of it is that sorry is that what the pressure example the pressure point what was the one pressure points uh and well the pressure points thing that's actually a controller with an oscillator in it you can i okay. would say you can use those with either subtractive or um additive synthesis synthesis modules oh, so basically okay. there's all these euro it's called euro racks modules which fit in what's called a euro rack there's there's these racks that have power that works with these specific modules and you can there's tens of thousands of modules you can buy um from various various companies um mm -hmm. But each one uses either additive or subtractive synthesis or some kind of digital manipulation. There's digital modules. I'm not necessarily that interested in the digital waveform stuff because that's right. I'm more interested in literally the nit and gritty, the dark and dirty of specific analog wave manipulation, basically. That's yeah. what interests me. So, but okay. I so I have questions okay. because all I so I'm just gonna ramble off the YouTubes that you sent me that way if anybody is interested the first one was modular abstract orchestra mutable instrument rings make noise DPO euro mm -hmm. rack um, the second one was pressure points improv and the third was Oscar Sala, yeah, Sala. Oscar Sala Sala Oscar Sala live concert 1991 mixture right. mm -hmm. um, and so I I watched them in order um, and I if I can just go through sort of what my 
thought process was while I watched them with you. And then we can kind of go from there. Cause so I started with the modular diary hashtag abstract orchestra, <clears throat> but I, so watching that, it seemed like modular synthesis is sort of the, was the original building block of what leads us, what led us to like the stand, the not standard, but what led us to like those. Beats. Yeah, electronic, exactly. Electron, a DJ, yeah, the electronic. A lot of DJs have modular uh, yeah, okay. with their setup. They're, they're using a lot of modular. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, and then I, the, so I, I guess my question at, at that point was like, I don't fully understand what the difference is between modular synthesis and those beat machines. Like, could you not just buy one of those and get a similar yes. result? Yes, okay, by similar result, here... first of all, yes. You can buy just about any synthesizer on the market and get, I can create or, and get sounds and, and um, manipulatable things to do similar things um, mm -hmm. I can do mm -hmm. similar things and do similar things just using my digital audio workstation, which I use uh, Logic on Apple's Logic on their MacBook Pro. I use that as my DAW digital audio workstation. Mm -hmm. And you have plugins and stuff that can manipulate sonic waveforms, but they're usually digital or okay. audio waveforms. So okay. but what you're dealing with is a different, first of all, that actually gives you a lot more control which is what a lot of people want. The, the beauty mm -hmm. of modular synthesis in general is the unexpected, that you, that you will always be surprised. You can manipulate it, something one day and it sounds completely different. So it's very experimental yeah. that way and doesn't give you as much. Okay. It gives you as much control, uh, control if you know what you're doing as any other, right. but to know what you're doing, it's a real deep process. It's like a, there's, there's just way which, more which room I for think experimentation, it, I guess. Is, is yeah. Whole, okay. Whole well, that, that kind of brings me into the next one that pressure points improv sort of made me understand and appreciate like, just how much expertise has to go into the manipulation to it's it's almost like i mean i guess it's like any other instrument where the more you practice it the mm -hmm. better you get right but i guess that is seemingly the main difference like i can i personally with no experience can grab can buy a beat maker and make something that sounds pretty cool but if i have this modular synthesizer with pressure points, it's going to take me a lot longer to figure out how to make something cool mm -hmm. off of that. But right. And then more the other aspect of that is if you sat with a digital, if you created a sound similar to what that guy was doing with the pressure mm -hmm. points and then went back and tried to play it, it would sound pretty much if you basically hit I mean, it would sound uh, your approach, the approach to playing it is, is not much different in digital manipulation. Whereas the mm -hmm. approach, if he sat down two minutes after he just did that improvisation 
and tried to do the exact same thing, he wouldn't be able to. It, he he right. could not do it's it. It's all very malleable. And, and the excitement mm-hmm. is the in the now, what is happening in the now with the, with the sound of modular synthesis. Yeah. Again, as you get deeper into it, you're going to gain how to control what you want, but there's never going to be, well, I shouldn't say never. There's, there's rare, the reason you get into modular synthesis is not so that you have complete control over the creation. It's so that you can experiment and find new avenues and let the modules do their thing. That's the, that's the intent of it. Mm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? I mean, okay. I could give you, I could show you a bunch of other videos that give you even other different examples of it. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think with the last video, you can kind of see, I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I, I think I felt the, not improv, I don't think he was improving <laughs> necessarily, but I, there was definitely you know, with, with all live performances, it's always a little bit different Absolutely. than the last live performance. So there, there's definitely that energy and that aspect to it, which is interesting. But at the same time, like he very clearly knows his way. I know it's crazy. Isn't and it? it's just yeah. like a little bit, it's just wild to, again, watch someone who is an expert, like an expert in something you have never <laughs> fucking heard of in your entire no. life. Like, like this guy has very clearly, he had spent years. Oh, decades. I mean, years. He's, the, he's the one. He's literally, there yeah. are trotonists alive today, one or two or three. But he is the only, he's mm-hmm. really the only Trouton, Troutonist, or however you pronounce it, that anybody speaks about. Uh-huh. He's the one guy in the world ever yeah. who did this to that level. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah, it, it's extraordinary. And I, I also, I so, I mean, it you see it in the video, but I don't fold, like. What the hell is he playing? Like, what is a trotonist? What am I looking at? He's pushing buttons. There's knobs <laughs> everywhere. Like what? Okay. What is it? Did he build no, it? No, uh, I forget who the guy. I can't Are remember they... who the guy. The Troutwine was his name. Somebody Troutwine created the trotonium, but it wasn't that large instrument that's built looks like an organ modular synthesis organ that Oscar Sala is playing. Oscar Sala uh, expanded the trautonium to be what the mixture trautonium, which is what you saw in performing in that video. The trautonium okay. is basically a similar is similar in some ways to the on Desmart know that it has a, it had one, a ribbon controller, like my Ondas, um, where you your placement of your finger on mm-hmm. the ribbon uh, goes from mm-hmm. low to high, mm-hmm. and every note in between, instead of the twelve note series that we know in Western music, it's just every note between low and high, and it's it is uh, amplifying a voltage, uh, you know. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, frequency. So that sound 
uh-huh. uh, let's say it's a saw wave event. Um, so that sound is going through all those modules. You see him flipping switches and he's got this dial over here. Those are all man- manipulating the frequencies and the, the oscillation of the frequency to create sonically what he mm-hmm. wants to portray, you know, so. And he's just doing exactly. that live talk. It's, it's like, just an, it, to me, it's like so an orchestra, weird. hearing an orchestra, like an orchestra from another universe, but it still sounds mm-hmm. orchestral. It doesn't, in, not exactly in the way that an organ does, because to me, an organ is as big and beautiful as it is, a pipe organ, so, it still sounds like a pipe organ. This does that same right. concept but in an otherworldly sense where you're manipulating mm-hmm. analog, literally to create this beautiful textural moment. Does that make sense or not? I mean, it to an extent, I, I understand it as much as someone who heard about modular synthesis mm-hmm. today yeah. <laughs> can understand it. You know what I mean? Like, again, it's... It's wild. The like, there's someone who knows everything there is to know about. <laughs> Absolutely, Urbanus. yeah, yep. And or, I don't know. There's like, really enthusiastic like Guy Fieri mm-hmm. fans, and and like you're you're in it with modular synthesis. Right. You're, I, it's well, you can. I mean, as much as I'm fascinated, I would love to play. A trotonium, first of all, it's a really expensive to get one built and and it takes years to get get it. And then that's it would take that's the thing too. Yeah, it, like they don't even people don't even you can't just happen upon a trotonium. So like how are you how how did you get to this point where you well, learned because, about well, a trotonium? You know, that's what because, I don't understand. Because like I said, I've been interested in modular synthesis for a while, but I've just recently again within the last year or so been kind of researching it and i came across for some reason i think i was looking at on smart no because i've got that Ondomo, which is a japanese remake of the on smart no which was invented mm-hmm. around the same time a little mm-hmm. earlier than the trotonium but i came across trying i i watched some videos of oscar Solomon. i was it's like yeah i was like i've never heard of this in my life why have I never heard of this? Because this yeah. is like extraordinary. And then like, as I got in deeper and followed that there are Trotonium owners and players today, but they're not creating what I want to hear on the instrument, like what I hear Oscar Sala created. And the bottom line is, uh-huh. first of all, if you're going to spend that much money and that, you're, and that much time, you're going to have to do what Oscar Sala did. And spend your whole life just dedicating yeah. yourself to that yeah. instrument. You're not obviously because there are trotonists who I think are fine. They sound fine on the videos, but they're not knocking right. me out like Oscar Sala did. Why? Because they probably have plenty Ooh. other things they're doing. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine it's very difficult to commit all of your time to a trotonium <laughs> when you have bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to, you know, yeah. get your teeth cleaned yeah. annually. Like, it's hard. Like, you you literally don't, if you are going to commit to a tritonium, it just seems like 
You don't have time Pretty much. for anything. I mean, I, I think it's obvious. I mean, like I think the, that's what we're witnessing in the fact that there are not Trotonian players around. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that's solely what you... Can well, what, it, what are your other... players on. <laughs> <laughs> well give me some other examples then i don't i don't think i don't think that it's strictly a lack of expertise oh, that keeps that. the trotonium right. industry right. down okay so like that all that aside what and your your fascination that no matter what instrument or what <clears throat> what object anything is there's always somebody who's mastered it and knows everything about it that yeah, that's your that's, so that's your take but just um what was your aesthetic response to it like did you find it beautiful did you just find it oh that's so weird that people do that or what was your i no i thought it was really cool and it's really interesting but my my ear is probably one of the less musical in our whole family. And so my first inclination was like, well, I could just do something similar enough. Well, yeah, on a that's exactly. And like, I you know think what that's, I, like for me, I was like, I can do a beat machine. And I beat completely five. concur with that. And I think you're exactly right. And that's why a lot of people, I mean, today's tools are so much more advanced than a trotonium they just are right the, the beauty of the trotonium right. is you can even hear it in that concert in his uh playing there's there's this intonation problem every now and then where it's just not perfectly in tune because his finger might not be exactly mm -hmm. on the string where it was exactly and just yeah. because i'm who i am and i think i love that that's what speaks to me. If it was perfect, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd just go out and buy a, a $500 synthesizer that could do basically the same thing. Right, right. And be fine and do, you know, it, it'd be fine. But what you're getting is, with a trotonium, is all this antique vintage gear that is analog, that is mm -hmm. unwieldy and once you learn how to control it, you get this breadth of sonic, this palette of sonic textures that you can't get when you have too much control over it. You, you kind of have to yeah. just find your way through it and discover how it speaks because it's not going to do your bidding. You're going to have to, on some level, do yeah. its bidding. Does that make sense or not? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same. I don't know. I feel like the way you feel about a trotonium, it's almost like training mm. wild animals like you have to work within their within their realm of willingness, interest and cognitive ability. Like you can't just expect them to make leaps and bounds. Right. Right. You know, I to train them to step onto a scale, you have to figure out I like each training plan is different. Like even if the beha mm -hmm. end behavior is the same, 
you have to write a separate training plan for each individual animal, even if they're the same species, even if it's, yeah, the end goal behavior is the same. You have to work and figure out how to best communicate your idea to that animal. And then that animal has to also decide and choose to Mm -hmm. go along with it. Like you have to work with them and alongside them in order to get a product that you're both satisfied with. And not to, obviously a trotonium doesn't have feelings <laughs> like an animal. But does. I see your but point, it's, yeah. But it's, it's such a, it's such a rigid, not, yeah, it's a, it's a machine that is so specific and has, has so many possibilities that in order to get one, the one possibility you're going for, you have to really know. I think you're nailing it right on it. Do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. If that yep. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So we're all. So we're I all hope. Th- I, I mean, it's, honestly, it's such a like everything. It's just like uh, training animals. It's such a deep, uh, you know, thing to do that I I kind of tried to touch yeah. on the basis of modular synthesis, but I guess the general thing is you get this fat, organic sound sonically from from analog that you don't necessarily get from dis from digital mm-hmm. instruments that's you know that's arguable i personally i mean maybe it's just my right. aesthetic that i like because there's people who are like you're getting the same stuff on it but i'm like man i just see a a weird i hear a weird fat inexplicable but palpable like texture that mm-hmm. i can't get if I... that doesn't exist right in the digital or right. on the yeah like it's it's one it's almost like um it's basically the the poison of our society that seeking perfection ends up you lose out yeah, i think that's that's yeah absolutely what you're saying <laughs> we were so, so deep, deep today we're just you know we're just living in this ever-expanding universe and just taking it all in that's that's what we're here to do that's what we've been doing this whole time you know what i bet you can find oh how mad would you be if there are aliens who are tritonium experts and you just i would be thrilled why would i be mad that's where they are thrilled (laughs) You'd be thrilled, but <laughs> oh, also a little bit jealous, yeah. I think. <laughs> and, no, and you could never course. afford them yeah. for your shows, which is the problem. I mean, I, I mean, I the gas it takes too, a load. People talk about what would you commute. do if you could go back and you know back into the past if you had a time travel machine. You know, would you kill? It? Oh, I you would. would be I would find so many expert? instruments that I <laughs> wanted, want to own and learn that are way out of my capability at this point and just just dive in wholeheartedly you know i'd be i'd be bringing yeah. back instruments oh, that cost 30 grand now but back then they cost you know 800 dollars or oh my you just <laughs> pillage and plunder <laughs> obscure instrument like what a weird niche thing to do you're given the opportunity to time travel to time travel in and you're like <laughs> instruments not and not only not just instruments you're like <laughs> the most obscure instruments it's true. 
Yeah, I, I don't feel bad about it, to be honest with you. No, nor should you. I think that's that's great. And that's, yeah. it's just so funny. I think. Because I don't know what I would really? travel for. Because I, well, no, because I mean, because the problem is even when you collect all of those instruments, yeah, but you still I have, have to learn to play them. It's like, yeah. That, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you just start the day over that again. <laughs> and then suddenly yeah, you're a Trotonium like, expert. Like Groundhog day. day, like Bill Murray Imagine. in Groundhog Day when he becomes a great pianist in one day. <laughs> Because he keeps taking lessons over and over. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, oh, so good. It remember, this is reminding me of that uh, John Mulaney bit about Back to Future being a horrible movie. One of the reasons was was can you imagine Chuck? What is it? They this white kid played by Matt. Uh, what's his name? Fox. What's his Michael J. Fox? I'm just thinking Matthew. Michael J. Michael J. Fox. J. Fox goes back and basically teaches Chuck Berry how to duck walk and play rock and roll. Like, and it's like, that's so offensive. Yeah, Some ridiculous. white teenager kid from the 1980s taught Chuck Berry how to do what he did. That's so offensive. It's so bad. Yeah. It's like, oh. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, this, I mean, this is time travel on literally the smallest scale, but uh, yesterday know. was yeah. daylight savings, you know? Yeah. Or falling back, whatever. Um, so we got that extra hour, and I I really thought I was going to uh -huh. do something with it. You know, like, I always tell myself, like, oh, I get this extra hour. Like, that means I'm going to wake up an hour earlier than I usually do. So I'm going to, I'm going to really take advantage i'm gonna be productive and i woke up and it, it started off really well and i voted and then i signed up for a workout program but then that workout program like once i signed up it immediately gave me mm -hmm. a workout to do like that day and i just like in that oh. moment i was like oh, oh no today was Today was for yeah. You don't yeah, understand. Today was for <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh no, I only have I only have this ex one extra hour, and I was using it to sign up for working out. I wasn't like I'm productive, but I wasn't going to be <laughs> that productive. <laughs> so yeah, it it gave me work, yeah. and I was like, oh no. Honey. So I just ended up. Yeah, I just ended up scrolling through like social media again, and I, I impulse bought um, a Vi Which the one? Violent Femmes album on the their a oh, blister. Yeah, it's called. I think it's called Blister in the Sun, but I but, might be wrong. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure it's just uh, called Violent Femmes. I think it's. Really, I also love. I could be the wrong. second one, uh, but Hollow, I, the one with yeah, I think it's Hollow Ground, right? Is that what it's yeah, yeah, that one's a good one too. But yeah, I impulse bought that, so I guess like now I also. Oh, you bought the vinyl. Would be. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I bought it on vinyl. Well, maybe like, I can well, get you I guess a good I gotta... record player for Christmas. That would be what I want to get you for Christmas then. I mean, that could be cool too. You know who has a really nice setup 
actually is um Maddie and Sam. They're Sam's got a nice little he's got speakers well, and why don't you do some shopping and send me what you're interested in? Yeah, actually oh, well, if you're getting I'll into LPs, you know. actually, yeah, let's let's do that. That that eases my mind because I'm trying to figure out what to do for you kids. And... Yeah. Yeah. So sp- I don't have back, any idea either. Back to this, you know, my thing was my initial thing was to get you um an armature to start stop motion. You were like you're like Oh talk God. about I'm okay, so, so get this. I've been like thinking about I... this. With 3D printing the way uh-huh. it is, like I and and Don't my 3D uh, <laughs> modeling and anima- animation program. So oh, what? Like gracious. I've already like created just a, a face in my 3D program, and I'm I'm trying to figure it out. But there would be a way to print out parts, like and I I know for one movie I forget what it was, but I was following the the. Uh, the way the filmmakers in, they had a whole animation department. The animation department was literally creating the characters with 3d printing and then painting them, but they would, and then like they would have body parts that they could just remove and put like, and you can 3d print any of that stuff. So as long as you plan it ahead of it, this is something we can talk in on another uh, episode, but Oh my god! Yeah, we're gonna have to. There's got to be a way to do that. I mean, what? I literally, you could send me some of your drawings, and I could create a 3D model of it, and you know, like let's say, uh, what? Yeah, let's say Mojo. Mojo and Mika. I mean, I would have to figure out. But uh, I would create like one of his thighs, and then one of his calves, and then his feet, and you would connect them with wires that were bendable you know what i'm you know what i'm saying and then oh and then i would gosh. i would create his Dad, face don't, but then don't do this to me you know you could create a, a replaceable mouth so that he could speak i mean one you just have so many oh. phonemes so i mean here's the yeah to to be honest with you i i don't know that i would even need the mouths i kind of don't mind when you know it's very anime-esque i guess but you know if it's just on their face i if anything i think it would be more fun to even just make i don't know if that's too extra but make just multiple heads more so of a surprise angry face you know like very very potato-esque i guess there's a there's a way to oh, do this. Father. I mean, it would take some planning. Oh. I don't own a three D printer. Yeah, absolutely. Can you make one of Evan? Send me pictures of him front oh, and goodness. side. Oh no! He <laughs> 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 would be so annoyed. Can you imagine if I just had a little a oh, little man, you would be making swaggy him do dog? All kinds oh. of shit skateboarding oh no we would re- we would be recreating so many <laughs> see okay scenes. send me pictures of evan and you and you both as many as many uh oh, like no. maybe at least 
And I can make them maybe close. make. Oh my goodness! Give me front shot, side shot, and maybe a, like a forty-five degree angle shot from this. Oh God, he's gonna be so mad. This is this is great. But this it, is delightful. This is this is some of your. This whole episode, <laughs> I think, is some of your best work. Just, I think this. I think. Oh, say that. So I still, Dad, I still got I think this thirty years it. of my life left. Come on, Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I didn't say oh, you were going to oh, plateau okay. soon and then it's all downhill. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, my no. peak was in middle school. You're still so, ready to yeah. peak, baby. You're still you you're still up and coming. <laughs> no, you are. I am crushing it. If I, I feel like I'm crushing yeah. it. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm doing everything I want so, to do. So if you want to do this, life, so send me those fun. pictures. But also, I you're out there in California. I mean, maybe you can find someone who has a 3D printer and would be able to do this for us. I mean, there are 3D printing places. but And I'm researching how to create the models mm-hmm. so that they print properly. But I don't, oh, I don't necessarily want to so buy a 3D printer, although you can buy some relatively inexpensive ones. I, I was just about to ask, what is, I mean, what's, what's the deal with that? Is that still, I don't know. Like, I just feel like 3D printer to me is just so, so out there conceptually that it's like, is that even, they do, they, do they the, make the thing is, yeah, they do. Printers? They make, I mean, you can buy one that's for 300 so but, but, but that's, I'm still doing that's a lot of research on it. I mean. For what we want to do, uh, we got to make sure we get there. There's some with heated bases. So, that, I mean, you want, you probably want a heated base. Some aren't. I mean, there's there's so many 3D printers out there. And there's, the main thing is you're going to have to, like like we were talking with the modular synthesis, synthesis you're going to have to um, experiment with what works best. You buy a 3D printer, you're not going to get a great 3D print yeah. first time out of the box. You're just not because you gotta you gotta calibrate right, exactly right. what you what it's doing for what you want. You know what I mean? It is. It's, it's like a tritonium. You have to really. You just have to. But learn supposedly it, it doesn't take a long what time it, to learn what, what your needs with a 3D printer. It's just don't expect. Yeah to buy a 3d printer plug it in and get exactly what you want on the first printing and then it's very rare that that happens right right i gotcha that's so weird yeah i'll have to look into 3d printing out here and see if there's like like at what point do you think fedex (laughs) i don't know having 3d (laughs) printers like i just like that's it's just funny to think about like that aspect like just once it becomes ridiculously accessible because you know the elite have moved on right right exactly space on a tuesday and and whatnot (laughs) that's a good point actually whatever yeah but but 3d printing is very accessible i I, yeah i mean you're talking about you could buy a really great 3d printer for two three thousand dollars which is not which is not God, that's of, so wild. Yeah, I it's mean, not. I don't necessarily cheap, want to run out not, and buy one today yeah. because, again, it would take a lot of work to 
I would have to really have a plan to use it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it's going to take a lot of experimentation. Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and it's it's an investment. I mean, what do you... Like, there's plastic, um, PLA, plastic? there's... What? Uh, like, what is it? Uh, ABS plastic. They've gotten them, they've gotten them to where they can... Do they there's have... A wood, it's, it does have wood chips in it, but it's also a plastic with wood chips, and it comes out looking like wood and feeling... They've got metal. They've got that different. Is crazy. You can print. It depends upon the printer. Certain okay. printers, like there's the cheaper ones, are going to print on ABS. You can't. Uh, some of the more mid mid range are going to print on PLA, which is a different kind of and ABS. But the higher end, you can print on just about any filament you want. That's just crazy. I, once again, I am baffled by the amount of knowledge you already have just to throw out. Um, <laughs> Google, baby. What is, printing. what is, what is your boy, Pete Holmes say? I just, yeah. The advent of With Google. That... Um, the, the difference between knowing and not knowing is oh, so now, brief yeah. that, what is it? That it, that yeah. you don't feel, uh, that, that knowing feels exactly like You're not dumber. knowing. dumber. Yeah. That's, that's the line. So good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so true. But on that note, we're already past an hour, so I think we should stick a pin in Perfect. 3D printing. Start with that next episode. All right. And end it here. Um, do you do you have anything to plug? We can drop. We didn't even intro, yeah. introduce. Yeah. Well, go ourselves ahead and introduce yourself and plug into what it. you got, and I'll do the same. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, my name is Camille Walters. You can follow me on Instagram at Marielle Camille. That's M-A-R-I-E-L-C-A-M-I-L-L-E. I run a monthly live socially distant and COVID conscious masks required comedy show every first Sunday of the month at Trail House Santa Rosa uh 6 p.m on the first sunday of every month our next show is december 6th there i'll be posting the promos and a qr code so you can reserve your seat that way we keep a nice number all right and, um, uh, oh, bailey yeah she must oh must be, uh, <laughs> poor bay we're gonna walk into another room I'm Chris Walters. I'm a pianist and uh, composer and animator here in Nashville, Tennessee. You can follow me on Instagram at C underscore D-U-B-Z-Z underscore. That's C-dubs. Or at the official pianimator. Um, I will be uh, recording with uh, Sharon Isbin and a, a work by... Uh, Allison Brown tomorrow, and then I have a gig at Sambuca Thursday, which is, what is that date? This is the 2nd, so 3rd, 4th, 5th, on the 5th of November. That's in Nashville. Um, anyway, this is always great to hang and talk with you. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, right. thanks for tuning in. Sounds good. All right, Father. All right.